Let's pray. God, once again, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this time. It's the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, God, that we are able to gather together as a church, uh, either here in person or online, to worship you uh, and to hear from you. So God, now as we turn to your word, we ask that you would speak. We ask that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive what it is that you might have for us this morning. I pray that you would speak through me, God. Uh, I have no business speaking of things too wonderful for me to understand. And so I pray, God, that you would um, do what only you can do, that you would make the truth and the beauty of your gospel clear and attractive. Be among us, God. Move among us. And we ask, God, that we would not leave this place uh, unchanged, but that we would leave changed and transformed because we have had an encounter with the living God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. And again, good morning. Good morning. Uh, special thanks to Selwyn. He stepped in last minute to lead worship this morning. And, and it was wonderful. Um, all right. All that bad news, a little good news. Clay's coming back today. Problem is, they're playing the Cavs. So, probably going to be a loss. <laughs> half, the, half the sanctuary just checked out. Like, I don't want to hear what this guy has to say this morning. Um, we're gonna move, I'm going to be teaching out of Nehemiah this morning. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. It's in the Old Testament, just a little bit before you get to Psalms. This is what it says. Uh, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the absolute highlights of my three and a half years here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship 
came in August of 2019. In August of 2019, that was BC, before COVID, a a small group of us, about 20 or so of us, went on a short-term missions trip uh, to the Tijuana area of Mexico. Uh, There's a ministry down there that we had partnered with. Uh, It's called Kingdom Builders. It's run by a pastor named Pastor Daniel Nunez. And about 20 years ago, he had a vision to plant churches in the northwestern area of the country of Mexico. And by the time we went uh, to visit that ministry in the fall of 2019, uh, they had planted 50 churches since he had started that ministry, Kingdom Builders. The way that that worked is he and his team actually raise up the pastors and then they send out the pastors from their ministry. And when they send them out, they don't send them out empty-handed. That ministry actually builds the church that that pastor will pastor, and they also build the house that that pastor and their family will live in. Kingdom builders. Now, uh, I know that to say something like this in this moment that we sit in right now might feel a little bit tone deaf, but I'm going to say it anyway. It is my great hope that everyone who calls ALCF their church home and many others who don't call ALCF their church home but are connected to us in some way at some point have the opportunity to go on a short-term missions trip like that. I know that the last couple years have have not allowed us to be doing things like that, and maybe not in the near future will we do that, but this is just a little side note, little side advertisement. When we do get to the place that we are able to send short-term missions trips out again, my hope is you all, we all have the experience to do something like that because it's just an amazing experience both for you and for the people that you go to serve. My hope for abundant life is that the community that God has put us in, Mountain View right now, maybe a different community in the near future, knows us because we are loving and serving that community. I hope that the Bay Area knows us because we are loving and serving the Bay Area, but I also hope that there are people across oceans and across borders who know about Abundant Life because we are loving and serving them as well. So, August of 2019, about 20 of us go on this short-term missions trip. We meet uh, at the San Jose airport at dark 30 in the morning on a Thursday morning. We get on the first flight out to San Diego. The problem with the flight to like San Diego is right about the time you're hitting REM sleep, it's about time for the plane to land. So you just don't, you can't, you're groggier when you get there than when you left, for me. Uh, we get to the airport, and Pastor Daniel and one of, uh, one of his guys are there at the airport to meet us and take us across the border uh, to their ministry headquarters. The blessed of the group rode in a 15-passenger van, and uh, those, you know, those of us, myself included, who maybe were a little bit more spiritual, uh, we were three across on an old pickup truck. We hit the, first McDo- or the last McDonald's in the U.S. before we crossed the border, and then we head across the border, and uh, it's amazing, for those of you who have done that, how the terrain and everything just changes as soon as you cross from the United States into Mexico. It's crazy. Uh, but we go to the, the ministry headquarters, and the ministry is Kingdom Builders, and what Pastor Daniel does is he partners with churches in the U.S. and other organizations that send people down, and as the name implies, they're going to help do what? They're going to help build. Now, I'm thinking that that's going to be stuff like, we need you to move this pile of rocks from this side to that side. I've done that on missions trips before. Or uh, cleaning, 
or maybe some painting. But we go, we find our rooms, we get changed into our work clothes, and they take us just down around the corner from the, the ministry headquarters, and there's a big building that's being built. And it's a new church that they're building right there at the ministry headquarters. It's not a small church, it's a big church. And the first floor is done, and there's just like one, one side of the second floor has been framed. And uh, they start handing out hammers. And I'm like, you know, is this to stir the paint? I'm not sure what this thing is for. <laughs> and they tell us, <laughs> we're actually going to be building the second floor of that church. Now, again, catch the picture. We are 20 or so soft, office comfortable. Uh, maybe that was just me, but it felt like all of us. Uh, of the 20 of us, maybe one or two had actually ever had construction or contracting or building experience. We had no business building a church. And yet there we were, hammer and nails, framing and subflooring and other things that I don't even know what to call it. Uh, it took us two and a half days with the help of some of the workers there. We framed out and subfloored the, the second floor of that church. We had no business doing that. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't have the expertise. We didn't have the experience. We didn't have the tools except that they let us borrow them. Uh, we didn't have the energy. Uh, we didn't know the people or the language. We just had hearts that wanted to serve and bodies that were mostly capable of doing it. And God worked through us to help us actually physically build a church. I still pray for that church. Not for the emotional, spiritual state of the church, for the physical state of that church. <laughs> Please, God, let that church stay standing. We had no business building that church. Uh, Happy New Year. I know some of you were here last week, probably some were out of town. Welcome back for those of you who are out of town. Uh, as we kick off 2022, what I want to do uh, this morning, or what I want to attempt to do, is just cast a little bit of vision for what I hope God might be doing, what I hope we might be joining with God in doing as we move through 2022. Uh, as the calendar turns, we find ourselves in the middle of a long-term series in Mark called Let's Go, and we're going back to that. Uh, I hope that's okay. Actually, I don't care if it's okay. I want to go back to it, so we're going back to it, and we'll start that next week. But today, I just want to talk a little bit about what I think God has put on my heart and the heart of the elders and the heart of the staff here at ALCF and what I hope he will move in your hearts to agree with of what 2022 uh, might hold for this church. I mean, the short answer is who knows, but we're going to do our best to see what I think God might be speaking to us. So uh, can we just acknowledge as we sit here today, second weekend of 2022, that things still feel really messed up. We're two, almost two years in and things just still feel really messed up, really broken. We have just kind of, we have learned to live with the frustration, disappointment, and uncertainty that this blessed virus, this pandemic has caused in every area of life. And every area of life, two years on, there is still just whole mess, a whole mess of confusion, uncertainty. What is this going to look like at work? It's like, what is work going to look like? It's, well, we're, we're going to come back to the office on this date and on this date and then on this date. And now it's like, you may never go back to the office. Uh, in our families, you know, uh, Relationally, over the last three weeks, uh, our family has probably canceled four or five different social things we were going to do with other people just because it didn't seem prudent, it didn't seem like the right thing to do in this moment. And I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of that. 
Thank you. Um, travel, like, like seeing people, doing fun things. Uh, my family has never, we've never been to any of the Disney's. And for Christmas, we told the kids that we're going to take them to Disneyland. Uh, I actually have sold one of my kidneys, so we should have plenty of money to make that happen. Uh, but it's like we're sitting here in this moment like, do we buy tickets? Do we not buy tickets? When is it going to be good? Should we do it? Can we do it? It's just everything just feels messed up, and it continues to feel messed up, and I know we're kind of tired of it. And that's true at work, at home, socially, and it's a little bit true here at church too. I don't want to give people like PTSD, but if you think back to where we've come from two years ago, God has been amazingly faithful. And, and this church, I, I would say, I wouldn't say of ALCF that we have survived this. I would say that we have thrived. Maybe not in every way, but I think God has done amazing things in this church. Just, just look around at what he has done. And who would have thought a year ago at this time that by Easter, we would be able to regather in person. But we did. And here we are nine months later and we've continued to gather in person and online. We've continued to offer ministries in a hybrid fashion. Some meeting in person, sometimes many meeting online. Lots of really good ministry has happened in the last two years, even though it hasn't been here in the building, you know, full blown like it was before the pandemic. God has been so faithful to us through this. Thinking back a year ago, like we could have never known what last year held. And so as we stand here today, obviously I'm a little bit reluctant to say, here's, here's what my vision is for 2022, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it's what God has put on my heart. We don't know what this year is going to hold, but here's, what, here's, what, here's the theme I hope we can sit under here at ALCF for this year, and it is this, it is rebuild. I hope the theme that we can sit under this year is Rebuild. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because this is we're going to talk about this later. But God is a God of rebuilding. He is a God who rebuilds. And COVID and, and all of the other ancillary things that have come along with it have broken down and messed up a lot of stuff. And we're not starting a rebuilding process. That started two years ago as soon as it happened and we pivoted and figured out how to do church in a different way and then coming back together in person last year and, and a new worship team and all that stuff. We're not starting rebuilding this year, but I want us to continue the rebuilding process of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, of God's kingdom here in the Bay Area as represented by Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. Now, let me qualify that in several ways because I can sense some tension rising up in some people. Maybe I'm just making that up, but go with it. Somebody's like, bro, read the room. Seriously? Like, look at what's happening in the world right now, and you're talking about, like, rebuilding the church. Here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that in the next week we are going to open every ministry full go, in person, back at the church. I'm not even saying that's going to happen in the next month. I'm not even saying that should happen by the end of the year. All I'm saying is this. Church looks different today than it did a few years ago. And I want us to continue to move towards building God's kingdom back up in the way that he wants us to. Here's another thing I'm not saying. I am not saying we need to go back to the way ALCF was three years ago. That's not going to happen. It is a new time. It is a new season. We live in a different world. It is a new normal. But we have, we have figured out, I think, how to do a Sunday morning service. And I think we do it pretty safely, and I think we do it pretty respectfully, and it's been a huge blessing. I don't want us to be content with that. 
I don't want us to just say, hey, we figured out how to gather again on Sunday mornings and that's my church deal and I'll do the rest, I'll do the, I'll do the rest of my life, the rest of the week. I want us to continue to build up ministry here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship following God's leading as we do it. And here's why. Even though things are really messed up right now, there are still people outside of these walls who don't have a home. There are still people in our community who are in prison or who have a family member in prison. There are still widows and orphans, both figuratively and literally. There are still people who are hurting. There are still marriages that are suffering. There are still children who are growing up and trying to figure out what they believe and what they should do with their life. There are still people who are looking for answers. There are still people who are looking for God. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ has the answers they are looking for. I believe we have the God that they are looking for. And I want us to continue to love and serve our members and our community beyond what God has brought us to at this point. We are a group. We are a family. We are a family of kingdom builders. We have no business building God's church. We don't have the experience, the the gifting or the vision, but God does, and he is with us, and he is a God who rebuilds. And so my hope for 2022 is that we continue on the trajectory of rebuilding God's church and building out his kingdom even further here in the Bay Area. Satan has a lot of territory here in the Bay Area, and I want to keep taking it back for God's kingdom. So the way I want to frame this theme of rebuild for 2022 is by looking at the story of Nehemiah that we find in the Old Testament. I think it is an amazing, it has amazing parallels for where we find ourselves today. Uh, And we don't have time to really dig into the details right now. Maybe someday soon we'll actually do a study of Nehemiah, which would be awesome. Shout out to my men's huddle brothers. Uh, who are here, uh, but we're just going to look at kind of the, the surface big picture of Nehemiah to get an idea of what God might be leading us into in 2022. So just two things, just two things I want us to draw out of the passage, the story of Nehemiah that I just read, and the first one is this. I already gave it away. God is a rebuilding God. God is a rebuilding God. So the, the big context of Nehemiah is this. Nehemiah is a Jewish man. He's living in the city of Susa, same city as Esther, for those keeping track. And he is, he is serving the king of Persia, whose name is Artaxerxes. At this point in the history of Israel, they have been deported out of their homeland. And their, their descendants, there's now a diaspora of Jewish people living across the ancient, North, uh, the ancient Near East. I almost said the ancient Northeast. That's, they weren't in New England. The ancient Near East. The Babylonians had deported them. The Babylonians have since been overtaken by the Persians. And when the Persians take over the Babylonian Empire, they, according to God's foreknowledge and foreplan, they allow the Jewish people to return to their homeland. Some of them go, some of them don't. So Nehemiah is among those who hasn't returned to to Jerusalem or to Israel. And as we open up the book of Nehemiah, we started in chapter 2. In chapter 1, he receives a report from the city of Jerusalem, and it's not a good one. Those who have gone back have begun to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, which was destroyed, but it is still in tatters. And the thing that really gets Nehemiah is that the city walls have been broken down. Now, in order to make the point that God is a rebuilding God, I just need to make one sub-point. It's not a main point, but just hang with me. It, it'll ring true, I think, in all of our lives. What we need to recognize is that things get messed up and broken down. 
things are constantly getting messed up and broken down. And so the story of Nehemiah and this, the picture of Jerusalem as being destroyed and not built back up again really is a microcosm for the, much of the narrative arc of the whole scriptures. If you start right at the beginning, it will take you three pages to figure out that what started off as good has been messed up. So we know God created the world and everything in it and he said it was good and then for reasons we probably won't know this side of eternity, this thing called sin entered in and it marred, it broke down, it messed up God's good creation and really for the rest of scripture we just get this recurring theme of God sets up something as good and it gets messed up or broken down. He promises Abraham that his descendants will be greater than the sand on the seashore and that the world will be blessed through them and in just the next book of the Bible, they are slaves in Egypt. God saves them, and he brings them to the promised land, and it's supposed to be a place where life gets really good for them, and they can't do it the right way, and so they botch the takeover and conquest of the promised land. And a few generations later, the Assyrians come, and they capture the northern kingdom of Israel. By the way, there was a civil war. And they split off into two kingdoms. Northern kingdom gets conquered by the Assyrians. Southern kingdom gets conquered by the Babylonians. Time and time again, God sets up something as good. And it gets broken down and messed up. That says nothing of the individual stories that we see all through scripture. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Daniel, Solomon, so on and so forth. Things just constantly are getting messed up and broken down because of sin. And we see that in our own lives as well, do we not? We actually have a scientific law that describes us for describes it for us the second law of thermodynamics i heard some chuckles it's not all backstreet boys and dumb and dumber with pastor gary okay all of you engineers and stanford grads and berkeley grads who your ears just perked up that's right second law of thermodynamics i don't understand it but what i understand it's getting at is the idea of entropy. That things left alone descend into disorder and chaos. It also has something to do with hot and cold and the cold can't transfer to the hot, but the hot, I, I don't, even the Wikipedia summary, I couldn't figure it out. But entropy we get because we see it all around us. Things left alone descend into disorder and chaos. And because sin has entered the world and has brought with us disorder and chaos, brought with it disorder and chaos, we have the second law of thermodynamics because things get messed up and broken down. But the good news is that God is a rebuilding God. God is a rebuilding God. And we didn't read this passage, but this is what Nehemiah appeals to as soon as he hears what has happened in Jerusalem. He prays to God in chapter one and listen to what he says in verses eight and nine or, or read it with me. He says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. That happened. That's where they're at right now. Verse nine. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though you're dispersed be under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. What is he appealing to? The fact that God promises to rebuild what has been broken down. And lest we think this might be the only place in scripture this is spoken of, let's just take a little tour of biblical theology. Jeremiah 31.4. Again, this is God speaking, I will build you 
and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. Amos 9.11, how about these minor prophets? Good stuff in them. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. In Revelation 21, 5, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Things get messed up and broken down, but God is a God who rebuilds what has been messed up and broken down. Um, all you have to do to know that the second law of thermodynamics is true is watch your yard for a couple of days, right? Uh, on our street, virtually every home on our street has a lawn service that comes, and you all know the drill. They come in, um, and in 20 minutes, three or four people can do what it would take a single person 20 hours to do. They come in and they mow and they trim and they blow and they rake and then they're gone and everything looks great until the next week or two weeks later when they come back. There is one house on our street, and actually they just moved a couple months ago. There was one house on our street that did not have a lawn service. They did their yard work themselves. And it was the best looking lawn on the whole street. They worked like dogs. They were out there all the time in the yard, mowing and trimming and planting and watering, but it was the best-looking yard on the street. Why? Because it was theirs. Because they had a love and a care and an appreciation for their own property that someone who is hired just could never have. And that is the way it is with God and his creation. God loves us. God loves his creation more than we could possibly understand. And so the reason he is a rebuilding God is because he has seen what sin has done to his good creation. And he loves it so much that he has stepped in himself and he has said, I am going to fix this. I am going to make it right. I'm not even talking about our church in this moment. I'm just talking about our lives I'm just talking about the world around us. God is a rebuilding God. And even now, whether we can see it or not, he is at work undoing what sin and Satan and death and destruction have done. But here's the tension for us. We live in this in-between moment because the rebuilding project by God has started, but it has not been finished. It started but it has not been finished. You know what's really cool? One day the law, the second law of thermodynamics, it won't be a law anymore. We can call it a law today because it's always true, but one day it's not gonna be true because when God's great rebuilding project is over, things that are left alone will not descend into disorder and chaos. They will exist perpetually in perfection the way he intended for them to be but we're not there yet. And so we have a tension because we're in this in-between season where God is working on rebuilding, but, but sin and Satan still have some dominion in this place, only as much as God allows them to, only as, far, only as far as God allows them to go, but they still have dominion in this place. And here's what is so cool about us living in this in-between season. It's the second thing I want us to see in this passage. God invites us 
to join in the rebuild. God invites us to join in the rebuild. That is the essence of the story of Nehemiah. We're not going to have time, like I said, to look at the whole thing, but that is the essence of the story of Nehemiah. He hears that his home city, his home country is in tatters. He sees a need and he acts. He senses, he knows God well enough. He knows God's heart well enough to say, this is not the way it should be. I can play a role in rebuilding what has been broken down. Look at verses four and five. He goes to the king and the king says to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, verse five, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may what? That I may rebuild it. Here's what's great about Nehemiah. As far as we know, dude had no business leading the construction of a city wall. He was the cupbearer to the king of Persia, which means he was the guy who gave the king his wine, and before he gave it to him, he took a drink to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. Extra biblical literature makes it sound as if that was a pretty highly respected job in the kingdom of Persia. He had, a, a, he had a closeness to the king that very few other people had. He had influence over the king that very few other people had. He had a really a pretty cushy job. Probably lived in the palace or somewhere nearby the palace. Probably, made, probably did pretty well for himself. Like, what do you got to do today, Nehemiah? Well, I got to serve some wine at lunch. I got to serve some wine at dinner. What else? That's it. Until the day it's poisoned, that's a pretty good job. <laughs> and also, as far as we know, we don't know for sure because it's not in the text, but as far as we know, he didn't have construction experience. He had not been CEO of City, Builders, you know, City Wall Builders LLC or, or something like that. But he saw a need and he stepped into the gap to help rebuild what had been broken down. Listen to just a couple of verses from Isaiah. This is God speaking, Isaiah 58, 12. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And then Isaiah 61, 4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Nehemiah was literally living out what God had prophesied that his people would do. He had no business, as far as we know, doing it. He just saw a need. He knew God and his heart well enough to say, I can serve in that way. And he went to do it. When I was in seminary, uh, I, was in the, I was in New England, the ancient Northeast, uh, and went to a church in downtown Boston. We didn't live in downtown Boston. Uh, and I actually had an, an internship at that church while I was in seminary. Uh, one of my jobs while I was there, one of the semesters in that church, was to lead a class that was called Christianity Explored. It is a class for uh, people who are not necessarily Christians but are exploring what Christianity is all about or maybe for folks who are, have just made the decision to follow Jesus with their lives. Uh, so in a church of, I think, close to 1,000 people, uh, we had four people who took the class that semester. My primary job was to make sure that the food for dinner was ordered correctly each week and delivered on time 
And then I also had to make sure that the TV was set up and I had to hit play on the DVD player so we could watch the lesson each week. I also led a little bit of a discussion after we watched the video. And uh, towards the end of the 12-week class, we did a Saturday retreat a day away. And I helped organize that as well. Um, like I said, it was in the city. It was on Sunday nights. They had a Sunday night service at that church. Uh, we had four young children. And so that meant for three months, I had to go into the city of Boston, downtown Boston, on Sunday night while my wife had our four little kids, getting them fed and bathed and in bed and ready for a new week. Uh, it wasn't super glamorous. It wasn't super fun. Uh, it didn't feel like I was doing very much. Uh, but it was one of the highlights, not of my time in seminary, but of my life. To spend those 12 weeks with those four people who were wrestling not with thoughts and questions and concerns, but who are wrestling with God himself. And to see him working and moving in their lives, to see them understanding more and better who the God of Israel is and what he has done for them was an incredible experience and has left an incredible mark on my life. Listen, I had no business facilitating that class. I know you're like, well, you were in seminary. Well, yeah, that mostly meant I had to memorize Greek participle conjugations. I, I, was, I wasn't experienced. I had never taught before. I was less mature than I am today, which is saying a lot. But God used me to help build a small part of his kingdom there in Boston, Massachusetts, even though I was completely unprepared, shouldn't have been doing it. God allowed me to be a kingdom builder and see what it was, join with him in his great rebuilding project of what sin has destroyed. Church, we are all kingdom builders. Amen. We are all capable of helping God, of joining with God, not in our own power. Verse eight of what I just read, when his hand is upon us, we are capable of joining with him in his great rebuilding project as kingdom builders. It is my great hope and prayer for this church that we will not be satisfied with the status quo, but that we will continue to press into God, leaning into him to discern what it is that he would have us do and standing in the gap to do it. And that might cost us something. Take Nehemiah's story as an example. From what we can tell, he had it pretty good had a pretty good life, pretty cushy job, again, as long as there was no poison in the wine. He gave all of that up and went and spent 12 years doing something he had no idea what he was doing, rebuilding a wall. And you know what God did? He blessed it. Was it easy? No. Were there challenges? Yes. Was it difficult? Yes. Was it disappointing and frustrating? Absolutely. But did God do something amazing because he was willing to obey, because he saw a need, and he was willing to start something that he didn't even know how he was going to finish it? Absolutely. We are a family of kingdom builders, and we sit, I believe, at an amazing point in the history of this church and in the history of the church at large. I know things feel really crummy right now. It feels really like we're, like, like we're walking through peanut butter or mud, just slow and unsure, and, and who knows where it goes and how long it's going to take us to get there.
But God has given us a fresh start on what church can be and what it can look like. And what an amazing opportunity for all of us, not just me, for all of us to be a part of helping to build or rebuild whatever it is that God is doing here in the Bay Area through Abundant Life Christian Fellowship and many other churches like it. May we be kingdom builders this year and every year hereafter for God and his kingdom. As a wrap-up, I just want to remind us of this. Uh, When we think about Jesus, Son of God, do you remember what he spent most of his life doing? Most scholars think that Jesus' public ministry started when he was about 30. So that means for 30 years, he was doing other things. Now, for five or six or eight of them, he was just growing up, 10. But you know what his job was? He was a, he was a builder. Yeah, he was a, he was a carpenter. Jesus spent his life here on earth, the vast majority of his life here on earth, building things and rebuilding things, Right? In ancient Israel, it wasn't like every few years you got a new sofa or a new kitchen table. It's like you took it to the carpenter and had him fix the stuff that was broken so you could keep using it for another few years. Jesus was intimately familiar with building because God is a building God and a rebuilding God. Jesus would have been supremely qualified to frame and floor the second floor of a church in Mexico. And he was supremely qualified to come and rebuild what sin had broken down and messed up. You know what I love to think about? Nehemiah is not the only one who went to a king and asked permission to go rebuild what had been broken down. Because Jesus, as Tim Keller might say, the new and better Nehemiah, he also went to a king And he said to that king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, that I may rebuild it. And he didn't come to Judah to rebuild city walls. He came to Judah to rebuild lives. And your life and my life, which has been so broken down and messed up by this this virus of sin, Jesus Christ, the rebuilder, died on a cross so that we might be rebuilt. Don't know what 2022 holds. I hope hope the end of the year looks different than the beginning of the year. And I have great hope that it will. I don't even know exactly what it's going to look like to continue the rebuilding project. But I do know that God is a God who rebuilds. And I know that he invites us to join him in that. And if the good hand of our God is upon us, there is nothing we cannot do together. Let's rebuild. And let's pray. God, we want to be a people who uh, praises you and thanks you even when things are not the way we want them to be and don't look the way we want them to look. And so God, we thank you for the promise of your word that you are rebuilding what has been broken down and that one day that project will be completed. And in the meantime, God, we ask that you would give us the vision and the courage and the initiative 
and you would give us such alignment with your heart that we would see what it is you're doing and what it is you are inviting us to join you in that with. God, we don't want to be a church that is content with the status quo. God, we want to we kick in the gates of hell. And the only way we can do that is if you show us how and you help us to do it. And so we ask, God, that as we move through 2022 and the years following, that you would continue to build and rebuild the ministry at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, that your kingdom may continue to take, take ground here in the Bay Area and beyond. Show us the part we can play, God, individually in your great rebuilding project. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're not going to uh, close our service with a, a song of response. And this is a time uh, for us to continue worshiping God. It's a time for us to do some business with God. It's easy to finish up a sermon and maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you in that moment and it's like the service is over and we're out and thinking about what's for lunch. Just take a few moments to allow God to speak into your life, into your heart, what he might be saying to you, what your response might be to the word that we have heard this morning. And then I'll be back up for the benediction. Let's worship.
These are strange and in many ways uh, frustrating days. Uh, and we have a lot of uncertainty in our church as we walk into 2022. But I'm so excited to see what God is going to do. His hand has been on this church for a long time. And I believe he's going to keep it there. And uh, there's a lot of work to do. And I'm excited to do it with you all. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace until we meet again or until our Savior comes and then forever. Amen. You're loved, you're prayed for, and you're sent.